Good evening. Welcome to the PSI podcast. My name is Kat, and I will be your host for this evening. And on behalf of PSI Seminars, welcome to the call. PSI has been offering personal growth seminars around the world for over 45 years, and each month on these calls, we explore tools and techniques from the PSI Basic course as a free resource for you in your ongoing personal growth and self-improvement. For those of you who are new to PSI Seminars and would like to find out more about our basic course, go to psibasicseminar.com where you'll find information about the PSI Basic as well as the dates and locations for upcoming classes. That's psibasicseminar.com. The topic for tonight's call is the power of habit. First, I would like to introduce your speaker for tonight. We have a very special guest with us this evening, Renee Cermak. Renee attended the PSI classes in 1998 and has been working with PSI seminars for over 20 years now. She is currently the area director in Phoenix and is a very successful coach, speaker, facilitator, entrepreneur, and best-selling author. Renee lives in Phoenix with her husband and six-year-old daughter. She supports people in transforming their lives by being bigger than their limiting beliefs and increasing their self-esteem. Renee, are you with us? I am. Hi. Hi. Welcome. We're so excited to have you talk on this subject. Thank you, Kat. I'm very excited to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, habits. And, you know, as I was thinking about doing this call, um, I was thinking about how important habits are. And I'm not sure that most people know that habits affect all extraordinary things being possible because our habits are like the hub with connections all over the place. Our habits connect us to our daily experience. They affect what we do, where we go, what we wear, what we eat, what we think. Every single day of our life is affected by our habits. Our habits contribute to the beliefs that we have about ourselves, both positive and negative beliefs. Our habits produce our results. When you do something day after day after day, it produces results, both good and bad. And one of my other favorite topics, self-esteem, how much we like ourselves or don't like ourselves is very much affected by our habits because see all of these parts affect the other parts right our habits affect our beliefs our results our self-esteem our self-esteem is affecting our results and our beliefs and our habits our, our beliefs are affecting our habits our result like all of it is intertwined and so when you make changes in one part of this dynamic it automatically produces changes in the other parts. And so it's my opinion that the easiest place, I'm not saying that it's easy to create new habits or it's easy to change habits. I'm saying that the easiest place to start in affecting change in our beliefs, results, self-esteem is in is with habits because you have full control because you can start today because habits are made day after day after day. So today can be a starting point, starting point. But before we dive into um, the whole subject of habits, first, we have to talk about the small stuff. What, what I mean is the building blocks to habits, the things that we do every single day or don't do. I once heard a speaker say that 10% of our life is the really great moments and another 10% is the really not so great moments and the 80% 
left is days like today, right? Average days, what, what we might call the daily grind. And so that means that 80% of where our habits live is in the everyday, the daily grind, right? The daily action, the daily interactions that you have with yourself, your significant other, your kids, how you spend your, your money, how you spend your time. I'm talking about the little things like taking vitamins, washing your face, making your bed, being on time, what you eat. I'm talking about looking at the daily agreements you make with yourself regarding exercise, possibly diet, finances, and also the agreements that you make with others. See, the majority of our habits come from the small stuff that we do every single day. So the things that we do or don't do, the things that we say or don't say, how we align uh, with our, how we align or don't align with our values, the actions or inactions towards our goals, the agreements that we make and break, the behaviors that we exhibit daily, the things that we say to ourselves every day. And all of these little things are things that, you know, some people think don't matter. And yet they really matter because your habits, if you look at your current habits today, they've been created moment by moment, day by day. And each one of those moments in each one of those days, it looks insignificant, you know, like one grain of sand, you know, it's that one grain of sand is so insignificant. Yet you put a million grains of sand together, you can create a really great sandcastle or a really average map. And it's the same thing that happens with our habits because everything speaks. All the little stuff matters because the small stuff builds the habits. The habits are what gives the small stuff life. It gives the small stuff momentum. Like in an each, each small thing in and of itself, right, doesn't mean anything, but you string it together and now you have momentum. The small stuff is subtle. It doesn't, the small stuff never produces a result the first time or the 15th. And the small stuff doesn't produce a habit the first time or the 15th, right? You have to do things over and over and over again in order to create a habit. And then you have to to do those habits over and over and over again in order to produce the results. So whether you're overweight or physically fit or whether you're in debt or wealthy or whether you're divorced or in a great marriage, all of these results were created by habits and those habits were created from an accumulation of the small stuff. So if you look at um, a relationship, the same 10,000 small moments or opportunities can create a really great marriage. And those same 10,000 opportunities or moments can create a divorce. And that is through the habits that those small things set up. See, it takes thousands of times to produce most results. Whether you're physically fit or overweight, whether you're ready for retirement or not, it doesn't happen overnight. Yet it doesn't, you know, it takes many, many, many times to produce a result, yet it doesn't take near so many times to produce a habit. So <clears throat> over time, the little things you're going to, that you'll do will compound through habits. And it's like the small stuff was walking along and then habits stopped by to give them a ride. And now they have momentum and now they're going fast, right? It's like the small stuff was walking and then habits stopped by and gave them a ride. So again, small stuff in and of itself insignificant yet day after day, when you, when they, when they 
form into habits is when things um, can be good or not so good, depending upon what the habit is. So I like to, you know, I'm 47 years old. I have a significant amount of wrinkles on my face, or at least I think that I do, and I'm not so happy about them. And there are times that I am looking in the mirror and I have the nerve to ask the question, how did this happen? Right. And every time I do that, there's this little voice in my head that says, how did it happen? I'll tell you exactly how it happened. Let's talk about all of the times that you didn't wash your face or all of the times that you went to bed with makeup still on. Or let's talk about all the times that you were baking in the sun as in your teens and as a young 20 year old when you thought that you were invincible and um, let's talk about your skincare regimen that didn't even start till you were 35 years old that is completely inconsistent. You know, you're on it for, you know, 14 days, and then not so much and then back. Yeah. So um, there is. Um, so it's not too hard to see where they came from. So these wrinkles came from not just one source, from 20 different sources. Right. I could talk about possibly um, the the amount of cigarettes that I smoked way back when that are contributing to my wrinkles today. So there are many sources and those sources, the small stuff through those sources had to happen day after day after day in order to accumulate into habits. So clearly there are really good reasons um, years later how I got these wrinkles and, um, and, and most people tend to justify the little things as that they do thinking that the small stuff doesn't matter, right? Some of the stuff, when you do it one time, it's easy to justify. You know, it was only one time. Who's going to know? It doesn't make a difference anyway. It wasn't even important to me. Everybody else does it. You know, I was five minutes late. Nobody died. So oftentimes the small stuff, you know, it's like you can bet that, you know, in the last 30 years, I've justified many times not washing my face or many times not going through my skincare regimen. And many times I said it didn't matter. It's only once. What's what's it going to hurt? And yet here I am many years later. And so when we talk about doing the small stuff over and over again, day after day, what we're really talking about is habits. If you repeat the same actions and behaviors long enough, they become habits. And you and I, to a certain extent, are just a huge collection of habits. The majority of what we do, how we do it, how we experience it are just habits. Most of what we do from the moment we get, the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, we're one, we're a bunch of habits. And a lot of them are unconscious and are our our habits are the building blocks producing our results. So wouldn't it be valuable to explore the habits that are creating your results, right? Some examples, doing things immediately as a habit, and so is procrastinating. Doing things your way is a habit, and so is being flexible and open to new ideas. Arriving late is a habit, as is arriving on time. Paying bills on time is a habit, as is paying late fees. Being patient and kind is a habit, as is being impatient and rude. Networking is a habit, as is sitting on your couch and watching TV. Being reactive and defensive is a habit, and so is listening. There are certain habits that we have that are unconscious, 
And it has to be that way. Otherwise, it would take us forever to get out of the house. At one point, you were conscious about tying your shoes. And now it's a habit that you handed off to your subconscious. At one point, you were conscious about driving every turn single signal, you know, merging onto a highway, <clears throat> using, using your stick shift. You were conscious about all of it until you decided that there are other things that you needed to do while driving, like talking on the phone or, or eating lunch. And you decided that you needed to hand this off to your subconscious. We hand thousands of things off to our subconscious that show up in the form of habits. And we do this to be efficient. If we're going to do it the same way every time, why bother thinking about it? However, there are areas in our life that doing the same thing, handing it off to our subconscious would be a poor choice, right? Parenting would be a good example. You don't want to hand off how you parent to your subconscious in the form of habits that you do the same thing over and over again, or even spending money or saving money. You wouldn't want to hand that off to your subconscious and also how to handle conflict. So included in our habits is the various ways that we react, the various ways that we respond. You know, some of our unconscious habitual reactions can include getting angry real fast, blaming, justification, avoidance, denial. Now, none of these are effective, yet they might be habits that we own none the same. And so I want to I talk about how habits are formed. Um, our habits are formed in our brain through neural pathways. We were born with the um, basic trunk lines. Well, here I want to read you something. At, at birth, each neuron in the cerebral cortex, and this is by this is some research I did on the internet by um, a person named Gopnik. At birth, each neuron in the cerebral cortex has approximately 2,500 synapses. By the time an infant is two or three, the number of synapses is approximately 15,000 synapses per neuron. As we age, old connections are deleted through a process called synaptic pruning. Synaptic pruning eliminates weaker synaptic connections, while stronger connections are kept and strengthened. Experience determines which connections will be strengthened and which will be pruned. Connections that have been activated most frequently are preserved. Neurons must have a purpose to survive. So when we were born, we had kind of the basic trunk lines um, of connections, and then we started learning new skills. And we started repeating actions over and over again in order to get the things that we wanted, whether it be attention, food, and we did these actions over and over again until we mastered them. So we learned that certain actions got us what we wanted and we were willing to do them over and over and over and over. So our habits are learned behaviors. We're not born with them. And I want you to imagine that these neural pathways are roads. And when you're born, there are very few roads. There's mostly jungle everywhere. It's like we were pioneers making our way through the jungle. And so we decided to take a path. And then with enough repetition, right, where we decided to go one way through the jungle. And with enough repetition, we created a path. And if we walk that path long enough over and over and over and over, it becomes wider and it becomes easier. And now it's a bumpy dirt road. And if we walk that bumpy dirt road long enough, right, and we also gain the tools equipped to possibly pave our now two-lane road, 
And right, we get it paved, now turns into two lanes, and then pretty soon we're driving down a four-lane superhighway that's smooth and wide and easy, comfortable, effortless, especially when you compare it with the dirt road, the path, or even the jungle. So with enough repetition, all the small stuff that you do will create a pathway in your your brain that becomes stronger and stronger, and eventually the repeated ways of thinking and behaviors become habitual. So it wasn't one moment in time, it wasn't one thought, it wasn't one action that formed a pathway. It was the result of days and weeks, months and years of repetitive thoughts and behaviors that allowed that positive or negative neural road to become established. So based on these habits, our actions and reactions become very predictable. When life happens, as it will, right? I can. I think we can all agree that life is not going to keep happening. And it's not necessarily what happens, it's how we respond to what happens. Yet a lot of our responses are automatic because they're habits. Like that's what we do, or that's what mom did, or that's what we learned somewhere. So when life happens, as it will, or let's say one of your buttons gets pushed, or you go on automatic pilot, you don't have to think. And why is that? Because there is always a clear choice in your brain based based on the past choices. You know, if you've been doing, if you've always done things a certain way, then that's your go-to way to to go back and do it this time. So it's the neural pathway with the biggest, widest, widest, most drivable and manageable road. It's the super highway that has neon signs saying, pick me, pick me. You've always picked me. I'm what you know. I'm your go-to guy. I'm a four-lane super highway. Look at those dirt roads over there. They're bumpy and dirty, very inconvenient. Look at those paths. You don't have time for that. I am safe, comfortable, fast, and easy. So you have a typical way you handle conflict, a typical way you spend money. You have built a super highway for everything you do. Even though there are a hundred other roads to get you there, you predominantly use your one road because that's what you know. So neuroplasticity means the neural pathways in the brain are always changing based on repetition and experience. Targeted neural pathways can be strengthened. New paths can be formed. Dirt roads can be paved and paved roads can become highways. At the same time, synaptic pruning means synaptic contacts can be eliminated. If you don't use it, you can lose it. It's like you can, some of your four lane super highways that are not working for you, you can put up a big detour sign, say we're no, I mean, think about people that stop smoking, right? That was their go-to four lane super highway. And when they quit, it's like they put up a detour sign and they had to go back to the jungle in order to create a new habit. So you want to remember that there's no right or wrong roads. However, you may want to look at how are your four-lane superhighways, meaning your habits, working out for you. Because your habits are just a way you learned how to do things. They're not necessarily the right way, the best way. They're certainly not the only way. They're just one way out of many options. And once you figure it out your way, you adopted it as the right way, right? You get, accom- you get accustomed to doing things your way. You like other people to do it that way too. You, we tend to get positioned. We like to be right about doing things our way because we're invested in it. Yet our way is simply one way out of hundreds of options. It's not the fast. It's not the most effective. It's definitely not the right way. It's just your way. 
And it's just simply a habit. So I'm going to give you the key to experiencing bliss, the key to achieving goals, the key to your extraordinary future. I hope you're ready. Now, some of you are not going to like this because you really like your way, but the key to your extraordinary future is giving up your way, which means giving up control, which means surrender, meaning surrender your way to get committed to the end result so that you're open to any and all solutions so that you experience the bliss or the achievement of the goal or the extraordinary future. See, the quickest way to create your extraordinary future is to give up your way. The quickest way to achieve your goals is to give up your way. The easiest way to create great relationships is to give up your way. My friend Tim O'Kelly, my favorite quote from him, you can either have great relationships or you can be right, not both. So instead of being committed to your way, what's possible is to be committed to the end result, the goal or the great relationship. And in focusing on the end result versus your way, which is just the mechanism, you open yourself up to solutions and resources and opportunities that your way might not include. And when you create your extraordinary life, whatever that looks like to you, do you think that you will care how many times you did it your way or her way or his way? Do you think you're gonna care how many times you were right? Now, inevitably, I ask this question and people always answer no. If I end up with the goal or my extraordinary future, I don't care how I get there. And yet, how they live their life is very contrary to all of that. Most people don't realize that in giving up control, one has more control. Some people don't realize that their way is actually suffocating new possibilities and solutions and cutting off ways to succeed. Another one of my favorite quotes, I have no idea who said this, the looser the grip, the tighter the hold. So some of you are choking off the possibilities of your relationship or your business and it's time to give up control because your way is simply a habit. And the good news is that if you learned one way, you can learn a different way. Another favorite quote, thinking small isn't easier hard. It's just a habit, a habit with consequences. Same for thinking big. God, I love these things, the universe. So that was by Mike Dooley, notes from the universe. Thinking small isn't easier hard. It's just a habit. Same for or thinking big. It takes just as much time to think small as it does to think big because both are simply a habit. So you might be wondering, how do you create new habits? And the answer is the same way you created the old habits through repetition of the small stuff. So with this focus on the small things, you'll be able to create new habits made of different actions and behaviors, which creates higher self-esteem and bigger, better results. And the more time you the more times you do something consistently, the more it's going to add to your self-esteem building the habit. More importantly, it's going to build an I am statement, which impacts your belief system. So I want you to imagine if you live paycheck to paycheck and you might be saying things, your, your conversation with yourself, your I am's, I'm broke, I'm not good with money, I stink. And then you decide to um, start a new habit called saving 10%, right? One of the easiest wealth building tools is to pay yourself 10% first, right? Most people know about this, yet very few people actually do it. So let's say that you're, you know, you start saving 10%. After a couple months, you have some results. After a couple years, you have significant 
results. And now your I am statements about you change, right? I, I have money. I can save. I am a person that thinks that saving is important. So it becomes who you are versus what you do, right? Imagine somebody that um, doesn't work out at all. And then they start working out, you know, in slow increments and working. And now imagine, you know, they have a month under their belt of working out and now a couple months and now imagine it turns to years and now working out is who they are versus what they do. So when you do something for years, it becomes so much more powerful. Again, it becomes who you are versus what you do. Think about the first time you drove versus the, the 300th time. Think about your first year of job versus your 10th year there. Think about the first year you were sober versus the 20th year. Think about the first time you raised money for a charity versus the 50th time that you did it. Every time you do a repeated action, you gain more evidence that it's not bigger than you. You achieve bigger results. You find your niche. You change your I am statements and you change your habits. And our habits are the key to all things great, right? An extraordinary life has nothing to do with luck. Instead, your life's just a collection of all those little things that build up over time in a powerful way and create really great habits or not. So I want you to think about what are the I am statements that you want to have? What do you want to say about yourself? What are the small things that will get you there? And if you're willing to do them over and over and over, I want you to get committed to the hundredth time. You know, not the fifth time, yet recognizing that you don't have a shot to get to the hundredth time unless you take unless you take the first step, unless you get the first time under your belt. So remember that any great habit starts with baby steps <clears throat> and that your repeated actions and behaviors day after day build into habits. Your habits week after week, month after month, year after year will culminate into a series of results. And so when you're 90 years old, looking back at your life, there's going to be significant results, significant results staring back at you. And will they be what you want? Because whatever you, whatever results you have at 90 years old, the building block to every one of those results was the habits that you had over many years. At 90 years old, you're going to have a reputation. You're going to be known for things, right? Will you be known for always being late? Will you be known for having an impeccable um, integrity? Will you be known for making a difference, taking a stand, leading by example, taking responsibility? See, being known for extraordinary things, leaving a legacy, these none of these things will simply happen. People that are known for these things, people that leave a legacy, it didn't just happen. These, they, they put a great deal of time and rigor and discipline and attention into the small stuff and into habits. And it all starts with one decision and one action. Another quote from note from the universe, the Chinese say the best time to plant a tree is always 20 years ago. The next best time is today. So consider that there you might, it, it might've been really great if 20 years ago you started a habit of saving money and is it possible for you to start today? Might've been really great for you to start working out long ago, yet it's in your hands, 100% control in your hands and you get to start creating some new habits today. Thank you so much, Kat. That was great. It brought to mind for me how 
much how important that first step is and being willing to suck to just get started. Yes. I mean, you had to be willing to be a beginner. The first time you do anything is it's not very pretty, you know, mm-hmm. and as adults, we, we, you know, we do something once and if we fail, we go, well, I guess I'm not doing that again. And we got to be willing to get through the not so pretty the first time, the fifth time, you know, to even give the hundredth time a chance. So those first baby steps are so important. Absolutely. So before we go into questions, I just want to take a moment for everyone on the call who has not yet done our classes. Uh, if you want more tools uh, to maximize your potential, the basic course has extremely effective techniques that you can put into practice right away to achieve goals beyond what you previously thought possible. And for the results that you really want to create in your life, at the PSI Basic Seminar, you get to uncover your limiting beliefs and discover what has been holding you back from living the life of your dreams, whatever that is for you. The Basic is an experiential class where you'll be immersed in powerful exercises and get to explore who you are, what you really want, and how to get where you want to go. Again, if there's anything you want more, better, or different for yourself in your life, then go to psibasicseminar.com and get registered for the next PSI Basic. We hold classes in cities across the country, so find a location and date that works for you. Again, that's psibasicseminar.com. Now for some questions. As you can imagine, we had quite a few questions around how to make or break a habit. First off with KP, how do you successfully create a new habit and make it a non-negotiable part of your lifestyle? Uh, thank you. That, again, starts with the baby steps. It starts with a decision and an awareness of your current habits and how what you would like to change. And then it's really important to have a significant compelling why into why you want to make the change. Because if you've been doing something a certain way for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and now you're going to change it and create a new habit, you know, I just want to warn you that Um, that is not going to be easy to do. It is definitely possible. And I want to introduce something called the dip. So when you start a new habit, the first 30 days of doing anything new, willing to be a beginner is what I call the dip. Sometimes you get more ineffective before you get effective or you move further away before you get closer. Because again, you are changing neural pathways in your brain. And remember the jungle, the path, the dirt road, the superhighway. So right now you're traveling down a four lane, really comfortable, fast superhighway with your habit. And now you're going to create a new habit and it's going to require you going back to the jungle and creating a path and making that path uh, enough with a enough repetition into a dirt road and that dirt road then with tools being able to be paved. And the whole time that you're doing all of that, you're able to see your four lane super highway is calling for you. It's like, I'm over here, please come use me. And you really want to go do that because it's safe and comfortable. And that's what you know. And the dip is only the first 30 days. If you're willing to do something every day, For the first 30 days, you have a very significant shot of continuing the habit because the discomfort lessens, the inconvenience lessens. And again, with repetition, it builds the I am 
statement into this is this is who I am versus what I do. And so you really have to be aware of the dip and you have to support you. You have to be very diligent the first 30 days, meaning setting yourself up to win. So failure is not an option. Some of the things you might do is tell everyone that you know what your new habit is going to be and that you are committed to doing it every day for 30 days, meaning being loud and proud. Um, other things are triggers and, you know, putting up posters and signs to remind you um, of the compelling why or to remind you, you know, on the days that you don't feel like it, what's going to get you up and moving and doing the habit anyway. So compelling why, setting yourself up to win, moving forward with eyes wide open open, knowing you're going to have to go through a 30 day dip that is not going to be easy. And, and I just want to say, I love the dip because it separates the interested from the committed. There's a lot of people interested in new, better, bigger, healthy habits and not willing to go through the dip to, um, get it. There's a lot of people interested in a better body, more money, yet not so committed to go through the dip in order to create the new habits and the new, the habits, they're the building blocks to, to all things extraordinary. Great. This uh, kind of next one ties into that from VW. Any truth to the old adage, 21 days to make a new habit and 21 days to break one? And how does one overcome inertia or emotional barriers when forming good habits? Well, I, regarding the 21 days, I mean, there's, there's, that used to be what was said. And I think there's a lot of studies now saying that um, it takes, well, I, some say less, some say more. I'm going to suggest that the longer that you're that you're willing to do something consistently, that um, the stronger habit that you're going to have. Like I'm a big fan of 90 days. Like I believe that 30 days is the first chunk to get through the dip, and um, and that once you get through the 30 days, now you got to keep pushing on to get to the 90 day mark. And when you make it to the 90 day mark, you have a pretty good shot of uh, that habit sticking. So it's, it's all about the consistency and the repetitive, which is exactly what's happening now in, in, um, in all habits. They're just not creating the results that you want regarding inertia. Um, you know, this is, I would take it possibly, you know, if you're worried about losing steam, then maybe you take it one habit at a time. So instead of, I'm going to focus on these creating these 10 habits, maybe you give yourself evidence with one habit. And once you get one habit under your belt with 90 days, now you move on to the second. And when you get that one, then you move on to the third. And there's also a certain amount of, of an agreement with yourself that failure is not an option. Meaning I, I spoke earlier about all the ways that we justify, you know, it's not going to matter. Nobody knows, you know, and oftentimes the agreements with ourselves we don't tell other people. And so that then we get to play that game called, well, nobody knows. And yet, you know, we know. And our vote is the number one most important vote because we're, we're with ourselves 24 hours a day, right? We know the agreements that we make and break um, with ourselves. So to a certain extent, when you start this process, you have to get your head straight that failure is not an option. And that even if you've been even if you've allowed, you know, all of that avoidance or procrastination or justification or whatever it is that you used, if you used it in the past, that that has to stop now if you want to create the results that you want. And again, surrounding yourself with support and um, having an accountability partner, people 
people that are going to ask you, hey, how's that habit of working out for 30 minutes going every day? You know, somebody that's willing to ask you that on a daily basis so that you are, you know, I tip when I set a goal, I tell everyone I know it makes me so uncomfortable. Yet it is so brilliant because I know that they're going to ask me about it and I want to be able to answer them with progress and with results, not with avoidance and procrastination. Next from CB, what different tools do you use to allow yourself to be successful in creating a habit and how do you deal with it when you fail? Um, one of my favorite tools regarding habits, and this came from something I called the um, bare minimum list. And hence, I uh, since then, I'd like to change the name to the uh, like successful human being list or positive habit list. But what what you know where it came from is I don't know if you've ever ended your day wondering if you were successful or not, and so I created this thing with myself that what is the bare minimum that I need to do in order to call myself a success or that it was a successful day? Like what is the bare bare minimum, and then I can always go above with that, right? So some of the things on my bare minimum list are to do two miles on my treadmill. And to, I have this machine called Stealth. It's a plank machine core trainer. I have to do a certain amount of minutes on that. I have to spend a certain amount of time with my child and so on. And so there's 10 things and I'm not able to go to bed until I have checked off those 10 human beings. And then I can go to bed going, I was a success today because at the bare minimum, I did all of these things. Usually, of course, it's not the bare minimum. It's they, There's other things that go above and beyond. And so because of that, somebody create, somebody made me a chalkboard calendar and it has one, it has the number in each calendar spot, calendar day, it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten in each of the spots. And then in a, on a separate chalkboard, I have a list of what the one through 10 represents, right? One might represent my treadmill, two represents my stealth machine, three represents time with my daughter. And so then, so, um, so daily, as I do those things, I cross off the one or the two or the three, whatever that, that different activity goes to. And then that way it's a, um, cause I used to do it in my head and this is just a visual representation to make sure that I get done what I want to get done. So that's one of the tools, uh, that I use to stay on track and to keep me going with my daily habits. Great. And uh, do you have anything on how you deal with it when you fail? Well, I one of the things I would suggest is that people change their perspective on failure. It's a really good thing, maybe even something to be celebrated. Like in order for you to get to the hundredth time, you probably have failed 99 times in order to get there. And you don't get to success without failure being involved. And so, you know, most of the time uh, through experience and enough evidence of working with failure, I'm able to dust myself off and get back up again, right? Regroup, um, you know, get clear on what didn't work, find a new plan, find a new strategy, whatever is necessary. However, changing your perspective to embrace failure is part of the process and that um, you'll never get to the hundredth time without it can be beneficial. 
Great, next from TD. With fear and procrastination, what is the best way to take the first step to change a habit? Uh, action is the key. I want to, um, if I can find it fast enough, there's something I want to read to you from Okay, this is from, his name is Steve Chandler, and he wrote a book called Reinventing Yourself. And he says, the power and courage to do something often shows up halfway into the doing of the thing, not up front. Do the thing, said Ralph Waldo Emerson, and you shall have the power. The action itself is the source of the courage. Doing it is what erases the fear of doing it. How can I motivate myself to sell more, a salesperson asks. By making a sale, I reply. Well, that's just it. I'm too low on motivation to do that. How do I get my motivation level up to where I want it so that I can make a sale? Get right into making the sale and your motivation will go right up where you want it. That sounds like double talk to the salesperson, so I often use an exercise metaphor. How do I motivate myself to run in the morning? By running in the morning but I don't feel like running. That's because you're not running yet. If you were running, pretty soon you would feel like running. Fear is overcome by doing what we fear to do. Action defeats fear just as scissors cut paper and paper covers rock and rock crushes scissors. It's the circle of life, but you've got to start it yourself. It won't happen on its own. Take action. Like take, take a step. Next from KG, what are ways to break your habit even when your significant other has the same in habit with no intention of breaking it for themselves? Well, that it's not difficult. I mean, it's not easy to do when um, someone in your house is doing the same thing and it all comes from that personal commitment of that compelling why and what is it that you want to be different in the future. And the truth is, is that through your leading by example um, and discovering the bigger, better results through giving up that habit, it's quite possible that the people in your household will follow suit. And, and then you get the self-esteem, the increased self-esteem of changing a household even though it would be much easier not to do and much more convenient not to change the habit. So again, you know, one of the things that you got to look at is, you know, you're 90 years old, you know, there's going to be some pretty significant results there and they don't happen. They happen day after day, after day, after day, after day. And so, um, you know, I didn't say that changing habits was easy and, um, and yet it's the building blocks to creating the experience through life and the end results that you want to create. So do you want to be comfortable and convenient and in justification of why not to change the habit? Or do you want your future to dictate, um, you know, the commitment level? Because, you know, this is about doing things today that you will feel good about tomorrow. You know, <clears throat> liking yourself is not about feeling good in the moment, right? If you want to feel good in the moment, then you eat a burger and take a nap. 
if you want to like yourself and have future great results, you'll eat a salad and go work out. And so the daily decisions today are setting up what's going to be present 20 years from now. So I get it's hard and it's worth it. Next up from JG, what is the most effective or supportive way to support others when they've expressed a desire to change their habits? Well, you first want to get to the why. So if somebody tells me I want to change this habit, I want to find out why. Like what is the what is the um what is the deeper meaning because sometimes that instead of focusing on the new habit, I'm going to focus on the bigger why and remind them on a daily on a daily basis that once again, this is bigger than the inconvenience and the uncomfortable because what's really underneath all of this is a better relationship with your son. What's underneath all of this is being able to, you know, be active and, and have an active lifestyle versus what's happening right now. So <clears throat> supporting them with a the compelling why. Great. Next from IL, how do you learn to be persistent? By being persistent the first time and then the second time and then the third time. I, it's a decision. Like I want a new habit of being persistent. So therefore I have to set up, I have to give myself evidence today of being persistent, right? So I can look around and go, where have I been not being persistent? What, what phone calls could I make today to get persistent, right? So I, I end day one with evidence that I was persistent. And now the key is I must go into day two and create more evidence of being persistent, especially when it was easier and convenient, more convenient not to be persistent. And then I got to get the third day and the fourth day. Again, I got to get through the dip of the first 30 days and <clears throat> get the beginning of a new habit. It all, I mean, it's like, that's the beautiful part is that it's so in your control and it is one day at a time and it starts with the commitment one day. However, once you start that first day, it's about the consistency and the repetitive of day after day after day, right? If you're, you know, if you're like my skincare regimen, you know, where I'm really good for 14 days and then not so good for 11 days and then I'm on it for three days and then not so much for three weeks, right? You can see that there's really good reasons why I have wrinkles. <laughs> uh, next from JF, how to drop a bad habit that's ruining your life. Sugar is like a bad drug for me. Well, I think we are. Um, well, first I want to say I am, I am consistently amazed at, as human beings, what we can get used to. So meaning the whole, like if sugar is driving you, there is a life that is possible where the sugar, where you're no longer interested in the sugar. Again, it's, it's we are so ingrained in, in what we know and how we do it and safe and comfortable and convenient and predictable. And the whole non-sugar life is completely outside of that, right? It's scary and unpredictable, but pretty soon if you gave up the sugar, pretty soon that's now what you do, right? Instead of right now, what you do is eat sugar. Pretty soon now what you do is I don't eat sugar. And back to the compelling why. Like 
you write a really great list of reasons of what's going to happen when you give up the sugar, and then you're able to connect back to that on a daily basis. And then again, um, setting up tools to support you, you know, finding, you know, finding new comfort fast, meaning I would be looking for how can I find some go-to foods without sugar that I love so that now I can look forward to some things versus focusing on what I'm, what I'm giving up. And I do, I work with myself with a lot of rewards. And so if I'm going to give up sugar, then maybe now I allow myself to do something else. Like maybe I've always wanted to take dance lessons. And so because I'm giving up sugar, now I get to go take um, dance lessons. So that works for me. I'm a big fan of rewards as well. Uh, next from TN, well, let me say this. We have a lot of questions about procrastination. And absolutely, it takes action, action, action. At, uh, I want to throw this question in there. Procrastination is killing me. I have a plan. It's a good one. And I can't seem to pull the trigger. The more time that passes, the less motivation I have. I don't know how to get my fire back. Well, accountability comes to mind, meaning if you, there's a project, you have a great idea, yet you're not moving forward on it. And so what if you decided from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. every day, I'm going to work on this project and um, I'm going to do something to move it forward. So then what if you got an accountability? partner that came to your house or came to your office or came wherever you were that also wanted to get something done and they came and um, were in your same vicinity from 9 to 11 making sure that you are moving forward on it like it's it's these things are way easier to do again more people are committed to comfortable and convenient than um, the majority Majority of people are committed to comfortable and convenient, and anything extraordinary is going to require you to get out of comfortable and um, convenient. And so, having you know, if you have a goal to you know go work out at the gym, as soon as you involve an accountability partner that's going to now meet you there at 6 a.m. to work out from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., the whole game has changed because now you're less likely to no show and leave that person in the lurch. Whereas if your agreement is only with yourself, it's real easy to sleep in and justify why you didn't go to the gym. So get somebody else involved, an accountability partner, and maybe even if it's really bad, get a consequence involved. So if you don't take action that you have to um, write a check, you know, to a charity that you do not believe in or to a nonprofit that you don't believe in, like some type of consequence that if you don't do X, if you don't move forward, if you don't take 10 action steps, then you're going to have to go hike this mountain or you're going to have to write a check or you're going to have to. And then the, on the, on the other side, you set up a reward that when you do take 10 action steps again, you know, I know how my brain works really well and I'm able to set up systems and processes and rewards and consequences to support me um, and moving forward. And regarding the procrastination, at some point, it's a matter of 
honoring the commitment to yourself and letting go of easy, safe, and comfortable, recognizing that it's not going to get you what you want, and that if you want to produce something great, that you're going to have to embrace uncomfortable and inconvenient, and taking action where it would be easier to um, procrastinate. You know, the other thing is that you tell everyone you know the end of the goal. Like I know when I wrote my book, um, How to Be Your Biggest Fan, I told everyone I knew that my book was going to, that my book was going to be finished by a certain date. And so there were still days that I did not work on it. There were still days that I procrastinated yet. The majority of those days I woke up and said, I have told everyone I know that I'm going to do this. And I have a reputation for being a woman that, that produces results and does what she says she's going to do. So I would have daily conversations with myself of like, yes, it would be easier to go avoid and to go work on something else. And you need to go do that right now because people are waiting. People are expecting. Um, so again, look at, I mean, there's, you want to look at getting it done and then hit it from as many different angles as possible. So if you go on autopilot, if you are unconscious that it, you still have a foolproof plan to get the goal done because you're working around um, some of your, your limiting beliefs and you're working around the ways that you normally operate. You know, you do want to be honest about how you normally do things and then um, you know, you can always back into it as well. Like when I have a goal, I'm looking at what are the, what are, to, in order to get this goal done, what are the things that I'm willing to start doing? What are the things that I'm willing to stop doing? What are the prices that I'm willing to pay in order to get the goal? Because every goal achievement includes prices and you want to go move forward with your eyes wide open, knowing what those prices are going to be. And then lastly, what are the possible obstacles that I'm going to encounter? counter and how am I going to overcome those obstacles? And one of those obstacles could be my procrastination. So then you develop a very strategic plan of, I have a problem with procrastination and here's my plan for um, getting past it. So again, accountability partners, telling as many people um, that you know and setting up some form of consequence that um, makes you cringe to think about doing. Next from EY, how to be my own fan. I sometimes felt that I didn't achieve the things that I planned to achieve. It would be hard to be my own fan if I think I didn't do enough. Um, well, it's interesting that that is the title of my book, How to Be Your Biggest Fan. So I, I definitely um, love this subject and... The way that you do it is that you make your self-esteem, meaning how you feel about you, how much you like yourself, your number one priority. Like it is what runs you and drives you. There's things that you do on a daily basis to increase your self-esteem. There's things that you do on a daily basis to decrease your self-esteem, how much you like yourself. And so if you do more self-esteem boosting and less self-esteem chipping, I mean, increasing your self-esteem and being your biggest fan is, is not, not rocket science. It is doing more of the things that boost your self-esteem and doing less of the things that chip away at your self-esteem. However, first you have to identify what those things are. 
So I would highly recommend making a list of 10 things that I do daily that increase my self-esteem and 10 things that I do daily to decrease my self-esteem. And this could be a possible starting point of where you want to develop some new habits and you become strategic about increasing your self-esteem. So if, if one of the things on your list is spending time with your kids playing games, then you schedule playing games into the calendar. If increasing your self-esteem, um, the, one of the ways that you do it is by being part of community service projects, then you don't wait for somebody to invite you to one. You, you find them and you put them on the calendar. So you're strategic in order, like you're, in my opinion, we're going to judge ourselves for the rest of our life and we're going to judge ourselves pretty harshly. So what if you gave yourself somebody to like? What if you gave yourself somebody to respect? What if you gave yourself somebody to be proud of? And you had an active strategic plan of how to do that because you know the things that you that make you respect yourself. You know the things that make you proud of yourself. You know the things that make you, that make you like yourself. And if you don't, write them down and then start doing more of those things. When you make your self-esteem, like if there's one brilliant place to invest time and money, it's in your self-esteem because you are attached to it. You're going to bring your self-esteem everywhere you go for the rest of your life. Um, every relationship, every money-making opportunity, every vacation, it's you and your self-esteem. You are not able to detach from it. And it's the number one driver. Your self-esteem is the number one driver of all of your results. And the habits are, back to the habits, are the building blocks right, to those results and so directly affect your self-esteem. And so how you feel about yourself being your biggest fan starts one day at a time, right? It's today. Like, what can you do today to like yourself? And we kind of spoke about this earlier, doing things today that you'll feel good about tomorrow, not being happy in the moment. What can you do today to respect yourself, right? Where can you set a boundary that you're not setting a boundary? What could you do today to be proud of yourself? You know, getting up at 5 a.m. and going to work out, you you feel differently about yourself all day because you were willing to do that. So you, you don't become your biggest fan by being comfortable and convenient. You become your biggest fan by doing things that like impress yourself. Like, wow, check that out. That was really scary and I did it anyway. Well, check that out. That was really uncomfortable and I did it anyway. And um, yeah, I'll end, I'll end it there. Thank you. Okay, well, uh, we do have quite a few people on the call who have not yet done our courses. So I was hoping you could take just a few minutes to talk about our series of classes and what differentiates them from other trainings that are out there. Oh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, PSI seminars is the most, going to the three-day basic seminar is the most brilliant decision I have ever made um, a little over 20 years ago. I walked into that class at 27 years old, already a victim, already finger pointing. It's her fault. It's my boss's fault. It's anybody else's fault that, um, that I was not living the life that I wanted to live. And I walked out of that class three days later so excited and empowered because I learned that it's 100% in my control. I learned that it's not them, it's me. And that, even though it doesn't sound so great, is really great news because if it was them, 
um, that'd be a problem because there's nothing I can do about them. So it's not them, it's me. There's something I can do about me. And, and my results, 27, when I was 20 years ago, my results absolutely fit my beliefs about myself, just like the results that you have today fit your beliefs about yourself. And if you want bigger, better results, you have to change your thinking, you have to change your beliefs, you have to change the conversation that you have with yourself. And all of this is also about you know, changing your self-esteem. And so say seminars and their series of classes, I mean, they're, they're so brilliant for you to identify the beliefs do I identify the ways of thinking that are ineffective and then support you in creating um, new ways of being and new ways of thinking? And it's everything that we've talked about today is what you get to experience through Sci Seminars, including the increased self-esteem, right? And so when you increase your self-esteem, you're willing to do things that you weren't doing. Like everything changes, what you do, how you do it, who you do it with, what you wear, what you eat. And so um, Sci Seminars just opens up a whole new world of possibilities. To a certain extent, we're all walking around with blinders on. And Sci Seminars, through their experiential exercises, um, causes these blinders to be blown way back so people can see thousands of opportunities and solutions that they never saw before. And then in our advanced courses, um, people get to um, experience the man or woman that they have always wanted to be. And I, I mean, I don't know a better gift than somebody experiencing themselves at full potential, 100%, nothing held back. And our, at our advanced courses, people get to experience themselves all in, 100%, not holding back. I mean, so there's people that come back and and like they fall in love with themselves up at the advanced course because of who they were willing to be, who they were uh, willing to bring to the party, and then and then. The whole point is to bring that person home into back into everyday life, into with their significant other, with their kids, back into their business. And so, um, I, again, I've been working for Site Seminars for 20 years. I've worked with thousands of graduates going through this class and the, the, the results and the transformation that is possible. I don't know of any other place where you can get this value, where you can get this support and where you can get um, this much work done. Now that we're coming to the end of the call, what are your top takeaways about the power of habit for all of our listeners tonight? Well, number one, to recognize how powerful they are. You know, sometimes I think people downplay it as, as they don't recognize how important it is that the that habits are the building blocks to all things extraordinary, that habits affect our daily experience, what we do, where we go, what we wear, what we eat, what we think. Our habits affect everything that we do. Right. Our habits are the building blocks to our beliefs about ourselves. Our habits day after day after day, year after year after year, create all of our results, both good and bad. And our daily habits determine how much we like ourselves or our level of self-esteem. And so to recognize, you know, when you easily discount it or justify and go, it doesn't matter that I hope there's a little voice in your head that says, no, it really does matter. Um, because if you're able to justify this one, it's easy to justify the next and the next and the next. So, um, 
I'd like to leave people with the importance of the small stuff. I want people to sweat the small stuff. It matters. And, um, and the exciting news that you can start today, that it is 100% in your control, right? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, and the next best time is today. And to think that if you started today, that in 30 short days from now, you'd be on the other side of the dip um, with more smooth sailing and on your way to, um, to creating a really great habit. So... Um, in leaving everyone, I want you to be excited about the possibilities and um, I wish you great success in all of your habits. Wonderful. What an awesome training. Thank you so much, Renee, for sharing your wisdom and experience with us tonight. Thank you for having me, Kat. Well, you were the perfect person for this topic. And thank you to everyone listening in. We hope that you enjoyed the topic and have some new tools to move you forward in the pursuit of your dreams and goals. If you're getting value from the PSI podcast, don't forget to rate us and post a review on iTunes. You definitely don't want to miss next month's call. It is scheduled for Tuesday, December 11th, when we will be talking about the stories we tell ourselves with PSI Seminar's co-founder, Jane Wilhite. You can register now at psilive.com and remember to ask your questions when you register. Again, that's psilive.com. Again, for those of you who are new to PSI seminars and would like to find out more about the PSI Basic course, you can go to psibasicseminar.com where you'll find information about the class as well as upcoming dates and locations. That's psibasicseminar.com. Thank you everyone for being on the call tonight. We appreciate you taking the time out to listen in. Have a great night.